This is Fade Spoon Soul, a podcast about all the ways food intersects with our faith, from seed to spade to spoon. I'm Brian Sellers Peterson, and I am coming from you to you from the Cascade Mountains in Roslyn, Washington, the home of the, the Yakima people. Now, today is a special Triple S because it's St. Andrew's Day, the patron saint of fishermen and women. They were talking with a noted fisherman by the name of Pete Nunley, who's a priest at St. Mary's Church in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, Pete, how you doing this morning? I'm good, Brian. Um, thank you. I, I don't know if I'm a fisherman, but I love to fish. Well, um, you know, it, it, you were named after a fisherman, by the way. You know that, right? I suppose, is he a patron of fishermen too, St. Peter, or is it is St. Andrew sort of the main guy? I think it's just St. Andrew. Peter's got all sorts of other responsibilities, yeah, so I, I suppose he left that for Andrew. But let's get started. You know, one, the question we always ask uh, on our show is, where are you rooted? Um, in your case, you can... It might be a watershed or a river or a bay or your favorite fishing spot. So, you know, where are you rooted in terms of place or community? Um, just talk about that for a sec. I would say I am not, um, I'm not rooted actually where I live um, currently, uh, which is in Arlington. Um, it's a wonderful place. Um, but to, to think about where we are rooted, I think, um, for me, it's it's more ontology than geography. So um, I'm rooted in I'm rooted in the outdoors, in the natural world. I'm also rooted in the church. Absolutely, um, our Episcopal tradition um, is a firm foundation for me, and I think the deepest of my roots reach into um, a camp called Saint George's Camp uh, at Shrinemont in the Diocese of Virginia, where we lived outside um, on the side of a mountain for two weeks if you were a camper, two months if you were a counselor uh, in the summertime, worshiping outside in front of a stone shrine that was built in the early 20s. And um, everything we did about God was outside and is very active. And um, it, it was contemplative as well. But I'm rooted in in this idea that there is that we spend too too much time inside, and I'm sure I do too. But that God is chasing us and wants us to come out and see what He has made um, and what He's given to us. I need to get to Shrine Mount one of these days. It seems like whenever I meet someone from the Diocese of Virginia and get to talk about their faith, it seems to go back to Shrine Mount. And uh, I had the the pleasure and honor of speaking at your diocesan convention in 2019 and was given an icon of that shrine, um, which is pretty neat. And uh, I wish I had it handy um right now um but i was there for that i heard that there? i heard i heard your talk yeah did do you remember no i'm not gonna ask that no i was gonna ask if you remembered anything <laughs> it's probably not, not a memorable. <laughs> but uh well 
You know, so tell us how does creation sort of feed you, nourish your soul? And I think one of the problems that theologians and philosophers um, and humanists have identified over the, the millennia is this problem of disintegration, um, feeling like we're isolated from one another, feeling like we're isolated from God. And, um, and so one of the things that, that simply being out in God's creation gives us is an opportunity for, um, for a chance at reintegration, uh, reintegration into this thing that we actually are a part of. So interesting. I read the creation story backwards the other day as a spiritual practice. So we started on day seven, God rested. Um, and, you know, we come way after the rest of the stuff. And we were, <laughs> you know, like, we're, we're like, an, an, you know, we're not an afterthought, but well, we're actually not the first thought. And um, in that narrative, in our holy scriptures. And so I think understanding ourselves as not being interlopers into God's world um, with trees and bushes and grasses and, um, and fish and game and, and birds, but rather that we are a part of it. You know, and there's a, lots of people have written about this idea that we are stewards of this thing um, and what does it mean to be a good steward? Um, and, and I, I think that that is both of those things, but the, the natural world that, that presented God to us first, you know, before we had any other as humans, any other way to understand who God is, we understood God from the creation. And so so just being out there can give us a shot, but you have to be able to recognize that. And so I've been thinking a lot about recognition and how important that is. Um, and really that's what the church is trying to do is to help people recognize where God is and who God is. Tell, tell I want to hear about, you know, one of your memories of when you recognized it, that's like, and the, big on your your pilgrimage well i was at shrinemont um but i was in college and i went up there there's a cross on the top of yellow spring mountain and i had been a counselor for many years uh, but i went to bridgewater college which as um alum alumni would know is the princeton of the south um that's not true <laughs> but uh but I was, I was going to school nearby. And I, so it was a beautiful fall day like it is today. And I drove up there just by myself. And I said, I want to hike to the cross. And if I know me, um, I was probably having, you know, maybe a despairing day and wanted to, to get out away from school and to go be around things that, that are a lot older and wiser than me. So I'm hiking up to the cross. And I look off the path and there's just leaves everywhere. This giant, you know, natural pile of leaves. And I walked off the path and I sat down in it. And without thinking, I picked up this leaf. There's an old, you know, brown or orange leaf. 
and I ate it. And that sounds crazy because it is a little bit crazy, but I realized later, and I think it was only when I was in seminary or, or as I was preparing to go that I realized like I was, I was trying to have communion. Um, and I, I wanted so much to be a part of this thing that I felt uh, at that time dislocated from that I took it into me. And in the same way that we that we come to the table every Sunday um, as as people who are so often dislocated from God and we literally take God into us. And I hesitate to tell that story because it makes me sound a little nuts. But at the same time, um, what my heart was crying out for was was to be nourished by the mother to be nourished by this um, great, vast, historical, living thing that is God's creation. And that was the only way that I knew how to do that at that time. I'm so glad you shared that because, you know, a lot of people are feeling disconnected right now, particularly disconnected from the church after, you know, um, three years or so coming up on of, of COVID and um, going outside and um, having that yearning. And I think you've kind of allowed me personally to kind of be more open to taking in um, some leaves, which there are plenty of brown leaves right now up here in the Cascades, but maybe not eating them, but kind of <laughs> really understanding taking them in 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 a, in a spiritual way so thanks thanks for telling that story well it's well it's soon to look folks it's we're recording this before saint andrew's day so if i slip into past you know um getting my tenses wrong uh you'll understand but it's saint andrew's day Okay, Pete, let's agree on that. Sure. Um, so let's let's talk about fishing uh, for a little bit. Um, and where does fishing sort of fit into your your life? And uh, maybe you didn't even tell us a story about the first time you went fishing. Well, if we could, um, I want to go back to something you said, which is that people are feeling dis dislocated from their church family and community. And I just want to say, I absolutely understand that. And I think the church is receiving information right now by the amount of people who are coming to church and the amount of people who are not. And we are not responding to that information. And, and we are not, we have to be relevant to people in their lives. And we just aren't um in the same way that we were or what we're learning is that we never really were as relevant spiritually to people's lives as we thought we were um, because in the midst of covid and then as we're moving out of it we saw just a tremendous drop off um, and so i would just really encourage anybody who's a church leader um, anybody who goes to church um, to to think about the information that we're getting 
because we have to be able to speak into the pain of people's lives and give them some nourishment, show them where God is, um, and, and, and be honest about how difficult life can be. And I just don't think that we're always, that we do that that well. Um, so I wanted to say and that. Now, excuse the pun, but it's more than just changing lures. Um, or, you know, uh, swapping out um, worms for minnows. Um, I think it's deeper than that. I, absolutely. And I, I will excuse the pun just this once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you peed it up. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so it's interesting. What fishing does is, um, you know, and this is just one context to understand God, to take you know these passions that we've been given as humans and then to uncover god within them um i'm doing this with fishing but it it is uh it is an activity that is story based so you ask me tell me a story you know everybody has a story about fishing so it is a story based activity which is not necessarily the same as um, some other spiritual disciplines, uh, which I also um, participate in. Um, it also is, it's an activity that really is familial. Um, so most people's first uh, memory of fishing is with their family. You know, it's with a parent or an aunt or an uncle. Um, it is, uh, Unfortunately, uh, a bit gendered in that it's it tends to be more of a male um, activity than a female activity, and the only reason is we're just not taking our our daughters fishing, and we ought to. Um, so, if you have daughters that want to go fishing, um, you know, give me a call. I'll give you some pointers. Um, but let's take everybody out there fishing, and I can tell you that um, we have. Um, older women at my church who have purchased fishing poles to come fishing with us. And they tell me like, I never knew I loved fishing. So to answer your question, I, uh, uh, there was a kid that lived uh, next to me in Leesburg, Virginia. My home church is St. James in Leesburg. And he would take me fishing and I was like five. Um, I don't know that I was able to actually do the fishing, uh, but I loved it so much. We went and fished the little ponds of um, the country club golf course. It was a public, it wasn't country club. It was like a public golf course. And then I started asking my dad to go. And um, so he had to learn how to fish in order to take me fishing. And then his love for fishing far surpassed mine in, in those early years. Um, but we would go fishing um, all the time. We lived in Sterling, Virginia. Um, right on the right across from the Potomac River, and so we would fish, especially in the fall evenings, to go fish for crappie. And some people call them crappie. Um, tremendously good eating fish. Yeah, and it's it's, it's crappie for those of us from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you, know, you guys come down south, we'll teach you how to say it right. But okay, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So I grew up fishing with my dad and those it wasn't until i got to louisiana um, after the storm when i realized how much of a spiritual discipline and a spiritual practice fishing is because we fe we fished at night 
And so you're surrounded by stars and these old silent trees on the riverbank. And the only sounds you have are the sounds of the clicking of the bale and the soft whir of the reel and the plop of the bobber into this water. Um, these are ancient sounds. Um, when water moves, that's the old, oldest sound in the universe. Mm. You know, and, wow. And I had no idea until I, until I didn't have it. And, and then I had to go start to do it again. Oh, man. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about fish thing over and against fishing. So tell us about fish thing. So this is really cool. Um, in Arlington, there is a Center for Spirituality and Nature. And um, I linked up with them for our wilderness church service that we do. So um, right now, it's a couple times a month, we have church outside along the banks of the river. And I invited their executive director, Beth Norcross, to come and preach for us one day. I, you know, we have now we have a whole band that has cropped up around this wilderness church with girls playing guitar and ukulele and um, an 86 year old guitar player comes and plays with us uh, from church. It's really incredible. But so we began this, um, it wasn't really a partnership, but we knew of each other and really supported um, our endeavors when we could. And then um, they reached out to us and said, hey, we've got this pilot program through the Tri-Tank at VTS. So we have a little bit of money um, to gather together a cohort. Okay, of so, hey, Pete, so VTS, we do have some non-insiders uh, on this podcast. Awesome. All right, so guilty as charged, um, <laughs> Virginia Theological Seminary, which is located here in Alexandria. Um, they are... Um, they're they're doing what they can to try to open up some new pathways to um, what they would say in England's fresh expressions of church. Um, and so the way they've, they've done that is to fund something called the tri-tank. It's not a think tank, it's a tri-tank. So you try different things. Um, and the tri-tank then disperses some money um, to people who apply for grants um, to try out these different types of ministries. One of them is a cohort of 10 Episcopal spirituality in nature groups. I believe there are one or two seminaries involved. There are some churches on the West Coast, um, one or two in uh, the Midwest. And we are so fortunate um, to be included in this. Um, so it's Fish Sing. The Sing is spirituality in nature group. And what we do is we fish. And we, we wrap our fishing experience up um, in the beginning, middle, and end with spiritual practices and prayer um, um, and helping to try to see what is happening here as we fish. Um, and uh, most of the other groups are uh, like hiking groups and um, groups where they go out in the desert and it's just incredible stuff that people are doing. The one thing um, for anybody listening that has money is there's no way to fund this kind of stuff. Um, so if there was somebody that, that really wanted to do innovative ministry um, with creation, to actually do it as a profession, um, to be reasonably compensated for something like that, it's impossible. Um, but 
the tri-tank is a great first step and the um, spirituality and nature groups with the center for spirituality and nature is um, it's a tremendous opportunity. Um, so what I say is, you know, like somebody sent me a picture of whales the other day, they were whale watching and it was incredible. I mean, these whales are so beautiful, right? You're out there, you're in a boat and you're seeing these whales and you're looking for them and you're riding the waves um, you know, rocking back and forth in the boat. That's incredible. But wouldn't you rather be able to walk out onto the water's edge and have and be equipped with the tools to really see what is happening, to be able to read what's going on in God's creation for yourself? So rather than be taken and guided by someone else, wouldn't you rather be able to be on the edge of a body of water and look and see the birds and see the plants and see the structure and see the water and say, I know what's going on here. Like this, this is a living painting that God is, this is a living icon that God is giving us. And I can read it, you know, in the same way that if somebody gives you an icon, you don't know how to read icons um, and, and really understand what's happening. Like it's beautiful, but there's no, um, there's a limit to your understanding and to the depth of it. Um, and so part of what we're trying to do with fishing is fish thing is to give people tools to see the depth of what God is showing us and giving us um, in this beautiful creation. Let's let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the impact of fish thing on people at St. Mary's. Um, so because I know I assume I'm right that, you know, your tri-tank piece of it um, is really parish-focused. And so let's um, talk to me a little bit about that. We took a group of 14 people from our parish down to Sandbridge Beach in Virginia Beach two and a half weeks ago or so for a fishing weekend. And um, I couldn't believe we had that many people that wanted to come. Uh, to the beach in the fall to fish. But, um, you know, like I said, we had folks buying fishing poles and say, hey, we want to be a part of this. And we came and we, you know what? We caught one fish the entire time. We have 14 people fishing uh, like over hours and hours. And we only caught one fish because everything has to be, everything has to go perfectly for you to catch a fish. And I mean, there's a whole, you know, eight sermons in there. But we caught one. But the thing of it is, on Sunday morning, it was a flounder, which is not even in season really for flounder. Everybody on the pier was catching bluefish and redfish and uh, speckled trout. And like, here we come. My good friend Deb catches a flounder. It was amazing. Um, but it was like we all caught it, you know, like we all caught that fish. And on Sunday morning, we had Eucharist on the beach. And again, you know, this is, this is the oldest sound in the universe. And when you read the story backwards, you realize that, wow, water was there in the beginning. Like water and life are never separated. Water was there in the very, very beginning. Um, and so when you're at the water's edge, you're at the edge of God's fingertips, you know, in, in, in wow. a way you are wow. at the edge of yourself and uh, who you are and who you will become, right? At the edge of hope at the edge of dreams um, and we had Eucharist and it was tremendous. Um, 
it's, it's almost hard to put it into words, except that you know that this is a sacrament, um, that this was an outward invisible sign of an inward and spiritual race. That um, does not happen without getting out there uh, to be together, to take the risk to be together. It also doesn't happen without the traditional Episcopal uh, church um, and the theology of, of what the church has to give us. Um, and of course, it, we trim down our liturgy, but perhaps this is the most salient image, which is that one of our members, his mother lives in Sandbridge. And um, they had been estranged for a while, just starting to reconnect. And she came to one of our fishing sessions, and then she came to Eucharist. And um, she told him, she said, hey, look, I'm not going to take communion. Like, I, that's too much for me. Um, they had been Catholic way back, but like nothing, I don't think, for a while. She said, that's too much for me. Um, but she gathers together with this group and we're singing songs and we're praying and and there, there she goes, she's taking communion. This person that's never been, that would not come into a church now, that even said she didn't want to take communion because she was nervous about it and, and, and yet outdoors, you know, under the roar of the constant roar of these waves hitting with sand under her feet. She felt comfortable enough to yearn for that Eucharist and say, I want that. And not only that, we had pita bread and it was, we did, you know, we communed each other. And so not only did she receive communion, but she gave it to the neck, to the person next to her. Nothing better than that in the world. Wow, that is a powerful, powerful story. And, and uh, you know, I think it reinforces your earlier point about this is a story-based deal. I'm looking forward to hearing more stories from you and, you know, from, from others. Um, this is our second annual St. Andrew's Day Spade, Spoon, Soul podcast. Uh, so uh, a year ago, we had... Christian Barron from Order of Necratius, um, who's fishes in the Great Lakes. So um, I think you and Christian need to come up with someone um, that we should have for the two, 2023 St. Andrew's Day. Um, but uh, before I ask the last question, I, I just want, so people need to know about Tritank. Tritank.org. You can find out about Tritank. And I don't have the url for the center for spirituality and nature but it's probably a easy google center for spirituality in nature um pete's got arlington, a, in arlington virginia slam dunk you'll find it easy uh i found fish thing uh, which is um on facebook f-i-s-h capital s capital i capital n capital g fish thing on Facebook. Now, you guys got a website yet? No, not yet. Yeah, so go be inspired um, on, on I mean, Facebook. I guess we do. Yeah, St. Mary's, St. Mary's Arlington.org. That's our website. Okay, you go find the St. Mary's.org. Um, but lots of great things going on. But we bookend our sessions with, with two questions. But, you know, the last one is what 
This is very practical and very important. What dish or meal makes you sigh with cooking comfort? What's your favorite food to eat? All right. Well, those are not the same question. I know. um, (laughs) But uh, I I would say the, the meal that I love to cook the most is gumbo. I learned how to cook that when I lived down in New Orleans. Um, and that's always my go-to. If I need to impress somebody or if it's it's a rough day and I need to just spend some time making a roux and watching the vegetables all uh, get seasoned up together, that's gumbo. Okay. So you, you probably don't have that recipe written down, do you? Okay. Well, you, then y'all, if you want to taste Pete's gumbo, you're just going to have to go to Virginia. Well, I will come. I will come to your church and give you a, a workshop on the spirituality of fishing and how fishing can save your church because we are in dire need of um, a whole, of saving. And our churches are are declining. I don't know that we know how to respond to this, but I'll just leave you with this, Brian. Ninety percent of the fish are in ten percent of the water. Did you know that? No. Ninety percent. Ninety percent of the fish are only in ten percent of the water. So if you're a church, you have to be wondering, A, where the hell are our fishing poles? But, you know, are we fishing? But what water are we fishing? Because you don't want to be fishing in that 90% of the water that only has 10% of the fish. You know, this podcast is a great example of trying to fish in waters where the fish are. And so if you're you're looking at church development, veshi development, things like that, like I'm happy to come. Um, and um, and help use the use the schematics and the framework of fishing to look not only at your own spiritual life and the lives of your community, but your church, and to develop that to look at new ways in which we can fish for new fish. So I will get your email address in in the show notes uh, for this podcast, and we'll put it up on the Facebook page. Do a little blurb um, if you need a fishing workshop. Um, you want to learn more about fish thing. You want to do something like that at your church. Um, you can connect with Pete. This is really important stuff. I'm so grateful for your time for your time today. And well, that's a wrap for today's Spade Spoon Soul, also known as Triple S. And if you want to know more about us, you can find us on our Facebook page, Spade Spoon Soul, or email us at spadespoonsoulpodcast at gmail.com. So a special shout out and thanks to our producer, Derek Weston, who also happens to be a Presbyterian pastor, community organizer, urban farmer, filmmaker, I have a feeling he fishes too. Uh, the list doesn't end. Also to Jay Sidebottom um, for the artwork uh, for our our um, podcast and Ryan Lee for doing the music. He, you know, bringing us in and bringing us out. Thanks, Ryan. So until next time, we hope you will find ways to connect your soul to your spade or your fishing pole and spoons.